So I was listening to somebody uh, talk about basketball recently, and there's a theory or something that they had mentioned that I hadn't uh, heard before, and maybe just because I don't follow basketball enough. But the reason that people like St- uh, Stephen Curry uh, particularly is because he makes people not talk about LeBron James. Hmm. Is this something that you've heard before or that you think is true? That's not something I've heard before. I've heard the the theory, which is, you know, he's he's a tall guy. He's like 6'3", but he, you know, there are a lot of other 6'3 people in the world. So he's a little bit more um, regular than some of the other players in the league. And so people uh, relate to him more that way, or, or so the theory goes. Okay. Hmm. Does LeBron... In the uh, like history of the NBA, does he rank up there? Because ter- there, there's, of course, Michael Jordan, and then there's, to a lesser extent, Shaq. But then I think probably on close to the same level is Kobe Bryant. Does LeBron James rank in that, or is it just that he's recent that it might seem that way? No, he definitely, he ranks there. He's a phenomenal player. He has a performance in history to back it up? Definitely. Okay. Hmm. But yeah, uh, the Warriors seem to they're 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 angling for something. Yeah, no, it's it's neat to see a team go out and really embrace a streak like this. You know, sometimes you get the sense that teams either are actively avoiding it or maybe just don't care about it. But you could really tell that the Warriors, you know, they they want it. So it's it's fun. They want that new stadium. Uh, that's yeah, that's right. That's disappointing. Yeah, it it's it's a mixed bag because, you know, having them here in San Francisco would be neat as someone who lives in San Francisco, but you know, also as someone who's gone to, you know, quite a few Warriors games in Oracle Arena in Oakland, um and seeing, you know, the fans there and how loyal they've been like, you know, I started going to games in 2010 when the team was awful. Um and that the fans were still great, you know, games were sold out. Um so yeah, it is it's kind of a it's kind of a mixed bag. It feels like the new location would probably draw in the wrong type of fan. People who are there yeah. just to be there and probably don't give a damn about the game. Yeah, I I don't don't disagree with that. <sighs> so that's disappointing. Anyway, all right. Um so busy week. A huge week, yeah. So do you want to start with uh more uh uh less timely stuff or do you want to dive right into the important stuff i, I want to start where you want to start <laughs> well can we get the uh elephant out of the room can we oh, i thought, we, I thought we did that i thought we did that last week what was that i think you used that same phrase last week when we got into the um the adele and streaming music stuff <laughs> okay. See, that's the, that's the benefit of me you know going back and you know listening to the show <laughs> and this is the benefit of me not listening to the shows it's, it's always fresh <laughs> it's always except... fresh right so, so this, uh, this, this battery case. Yeah. yeah. So th- th- I, I, I'm, I'm going to get super angry about this. Okay. I like, I like the ones where you get angry. So, so, uh, was it Tuesday? This is just like a, a day old, right? Hey, who knows really? Uh, anyway. So Apple released a, uh, what, what is the name of this damn thing? Because it, it can't have a normal name. I think you had it right. I think it's the Apple I just made smart battery cover. So the iPhone 6S smart battery case, just like the smart oh, keyboard cover. What is the iPad Pro thing called? Smart keyboard cover? I think you're thinking of the pencil. Mm. 
So anyway, so they made this thing, which uh, it's uh, it, people for a very long time have made battery cases for iPhones to compensate for their mediocre at best battery life. Uh, the most popular brand is called Mophie. Uh, that's what I use on my phone. But Apple went ahead and uh, designed their own. And you would think that Apple, because they have access to all the internals and they can de design something like this in parallel with the phone, they can do everything, all kinds of uh, special things to make it work particularly well with the phone, uh, that they can design something just amazing. And this looks like one of the ugliest battery cases I've ever seen for a phone. It offers nothing that makes it unique or better than the existing things on the market except that it's more expensive has less capacity and i i just i don't get it yeah so let, let's describe some of the features of this thing so well, like, well, well first let's let's describe how it looks yeah so have you, yeah. Do you do you have you seen people who have um like tech companies will give them away all the time they're these little things that uh have an adhesive back and they allow you to put like business cards in the back of your phone Yes. You know exactly what I'm talking about, right? I, I do. That's what this looks like. Yeah. Or there's like, there's those iPhone cases that, you know, will hold two to three credit cards in the back. But this is even worse, though, because it's not a, like a uniform or even like it's just this weird hump in the back and it doesn't even extend to most of the phone. Yeah. It just looks like you put like a stack of six credit cards in the middle of the phone and there's still like, 40% of the surface area that could be doing something useful. Well, so the outer casing of the phone, basically everything other than the hump, is is a soft sort of plastic, or I guess sort of maybe, it, what's the what's the fancy? Well, it's it's the gross, no, it's not uh, fluoroelastic. <laughs> it's, no, it's, it's just the gross uh, silicone material they've been using for the regular cases. Right, and Tim Cook gave an interview today talking about it, explaining how... Yeah, you know, this battery case was so much easier to get in and out of an iPhone than anything else, you know, because of that silicone um, casing. But you're not supposed to be taking it in and out all the time. Well, and, you know, I, I've owned a couple of different battery cases for various iPhones over the years, and none of them have been difficult to, to put on and off. I mean, they, they typically just have like a little plastic piece that comes off the top you slide your iPhone into the, the bottom piece, clip the top part back on, and away you go. In fact, I think my the battery case I have now, which works just like I just described, is easier to take on and off than the Apple silicone case that I have. Because I, I would challenge anybody to get one of those silicone cases um, on without flipping the mute switch from off to on. I don't, I don't think it can be done. <laughs> that sounds like a challenge for the world. <laughs> um, yeah, and it's it's definitely that, and just it it doesn't look good. It doesn't solve any of the design the design challenges that other people like, because when you look at a battery case, and again, Mophie makes uh, generally the best ones, but when you look at the compromises and trade offs that they have to make because they're a third party manufacturer, it always has this unsightly uh, three quarters of an inch uh, little uh, hump or, or or thing at the bottom. Because they have to duplicate the charging port and put in their own uh, micro USB connector, which makes inserting headphones difficult and, and adds a lot of other challenges. And this doesn't solve any of those. It's it's basically just a more expensive version of what everybody else can make. And I I, I just didn't think that's what Apple did, especially when they can do whatever they want to make it work better. 
it, it, it honestly seems like the one and only thing this case does that others don't, and which seems to be the only thing that you can point to, to and I, I'm making the world's biggest air quotes as I say this, smart, is you can see the battery level from within iOS. And that's, you know, that that's all you can point to. But again, I don't like that because one, either in Apple's unnecessary oversimplification of most products is that they don't have a battery life indicator that's on the outside of the phone and they don't have a power switch or any way to actually administrate whether or not it's charging. So it's doing this weird perpetual charging thing, which I don't like, I could have sworn like, it isn't isn't like in battery uh, conditioning or whatever. It's not bad to have something charging essentially all the time. I don't, I don't really think that's, a thing anymore that's it's kind of like the the pixel burning on plasmas where like maybe it's kind of a thing in extreme situations but we've improved the technology to the point where that's not really something you have to think about okay i, I know uh battery memories and all that kind of stuff has gone away but that that still uh spooks me a little bit but anyway like so that there's no indicator there's no way to turn it off or on so it's already worse than most other cases in that respect and most other cases do have little battery indicator uh, lights or something on the side uh, or on the back that allows you to tell the charge level. So, I mean, I don't think that matters too much. The only thing that I think of that makes this slightly nicer is that it has a lightning connector. But really, who cares? You, you could use micro USB just fine. Well, why, yeah, why don't third-party battery cases have lightning connectors? Is it just the licensing is more expensive? And also, I think it's size. Hmm. Yeah. But again, this case is bigger than my Mophie case. And it's uglier. Like, like uh, it's objectively, like, but just by all accounts, it's way uglier. Right, and I think that the capacity is actually less than most battery cases, right? Yeah, I mean, the one that I use because I wanted the absolute smallest one is only a 60% charge, which for me gets me through plenty. But no, uh, Mophie will make ones that uh, will recharge it fully to 100%, or even the big, I think they call it the Juice Pack Plus, that'll get it to 150 Yeah, like I think my fairly modest case, I think it does 100%. It's, it's big, it's bulky, but it's a battery case. It's just kind of what you expect. But I, I don't know, for me, like carrying all that extra weight and dealing with the extra size, if I'm not getting at least a full extra charge, I don't really get what the point of it is. Well, I think for me, the point of it is that the existing battery because apple's too stubborn to make a phone with passable battery life uh generally can't get me through a day if i'm not gonna be home by eight o'clock right so this is this just seems a little nuts also it's it's only available in two colors one of which isn't even a color choice because all reviews say that it just gets dirty immediately um they do this weird thing where they say that it's uh not going to obstruct your cell signal like oh, when has that ever been a concern on anything yeah i i saw i saw that going around i think it was was that like schiller or the getty q someone was coming out and saying that like i'm like wh- what is that like why are you t- wasn't wasn't there that whole antenna gate thing why are you even telling people <laughs> that uh, your phone can just by putting it in a case that happens to do something else it's going to obstruct the rf performance like that that's insane and again, this is, I can't get past it. This is genuinely the ugliest battery case I've ever seen. That's no, that's no slimmer. That's no, and even it's awkward to hold. Like I'm fine with holding something that's thicker and, and heavier, 
but why does it have this weird bulge that makes it less ergonomic? Yeah, I mean, it, it continues. It, so there's there's been a lot of articles that have come out. And, you know, I, I we put we linked to a couple in the Slack this week about this is a continuation of the trend of questionable Apple design decisions. I mean, it's the last handful of products that have come out. You know, you can point most recently to the iPad Pro and specifically to the keyboard cover thing and the pencil. And then you can go to the, you know, the MacBook One, you can go to the camera bulge in the iPhone 6, kind of on and on over the last couple of years. And there's just a lot of really questionable hardware design decisions, which really is supposed to be the thing that Apple excels at, even in the face of um, some bumps in the road with their software. You know, the, the, the hardware design, the fit and the finish, and the attention to detail is really supposed to be what they're known for. And I mean, it, it's impossible to look at something like this battery case and and see any of that. I mean, this this thing straight up looks like it's from like HTC or Samsung at best. And that's not a compliment. That's cold-blooded. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just, and I would maybe not go as far as what you've said in terms of um, which, uh, what qualifies as poor design decisions. Like, I don't think the Mac, like the MacBook, I think has a functional design challenge because they made it too thin. So therefore they could only shoehorn in a really crappy keyboard. But uh, for me, like it's, it's the smart keyboard case is just this weird, uh, like Frankenstein product that tries to be a surface type cover doesn't do the job well enough, and also is not a very good smart cover either. The pencil, I think, is fine. The MacBook, I think, is fine. Um, yeah, but I just, I, th- I think it's just super weird. And yeah, I just don't know. And just for me, it, it was just, it's upsetting for a couple reasons, because one, it's Apple, like, why would Apple release this halfway through the life cycle of the second iteration of this phone like why now so is it is it an admission that the they understand that for a large segment of their uh, customer base that they uh, that the phone doesn't just the battery life doesn't cut it and they're no longer content to allow third parties like if, if it was really like a niche need they could just let that uh, that market belong to Mophie or the cheap knockoffs that exist so if they're making this that means that they're admitting or suggesting that this is a strong need that more than a handful of people need, which means that they should be making a phone that's slightly thicker or whenever they're able to miniaturize components that they should just make a phone that has better battery life. No, I, I, yeah, I think, I think you're, you're spot on. I mean, I think Apple has a history of really only coming in and making accessories um, that they think are really popular. Like, I mean, famously, Apple didn't make an official first-party case or cover for the first few iPhones. It wasn't until what the the bumper on the iPhone 4 um and then I don't I, th- I don't think the fu- the first full case came in until like the iPhone 5C, right? I think it was the 5S. Okay, maybe the 5S. The 5S had those little $45 leather cases. Th- that's right. But I mean, you know, I I think um there was some article that Gruber linked to that cited how something like 75 percent or so of iphone users you know use a case and um you know it wasn't really until apple saw that i think that they wanted to come out and and make a case for the iphone so yeah i I don't 
I don't think you could see releasing this product now any other way other than Apple admitting like two things. One is that the battery life on the iPhone is not very good. And two, as a consequence of that, people are buying a lot of battery cases. Yeah, I just... It, it, it just seems insane to me because this... If, if Apple wants to continue to take the approach that the battery life of their products is satisfactory, then don't make this. Because this, this at best can be described as an inelegant solution to a common problem. And again, since they haven't found a way or they were just unwilling and this was a really half-assed product, depends on what your, um, on what your point of view is, but just what, what do you... Like, it, it's not doing anything better than anybody else, so why even make it? Especially at this stage of the game. Like, because I, I guarantee the iPhone 7 is going to be the same BS uh, 8 to 10 hours of active use battery life or whatever they, they always suggest that it is. And for most people, that means barely a day at best. Yet, are they're still going to manufacture something like this that makes... Like, the, the phone could be slightly thicker and uh, by volume compared to having this monstrosity on it would be like 80% smaller. Well, and not to derail the conversation, but I think that's what makes the removal or the rumored removal of the headphone connector so frustrating too, is I just don't, I don't have a need for my iPhone to be thinner. It's, it's fine as it is right now. I would... I think it's uncomfortably thin right now. <laughs> right. And, you know, Gruber made the point on uh, not the most recent episode of the talk show, but the one before that about how... You know, maybe it, maybe Apple's done a lot of market research to demonstrate that at the point of sale when people are browsing phones, thin really sells. And, you know, maybe people but don't iPhones think sell. about... Well, but, but I mean, maybe, maybe they sell because they're continuously getting thinner and thinner and because the competition's getting thinner and thinner. I would genuinely dispute that. Well, I mean, you, you would have more insight into that than me, but... Like, again, like, there's so many buying motives that people will have, and thinness, I guarantee, is not one of them, except for maybe a very small selection of nerds. And I think most nerds would maybe lust after the idea of a really thin and sleek device, but if you gave them the choice between a incredibly thin phone and a pretty thin phone that had way better battery life, which would a nerd pick? Well, I mean, I, I think the, the nerd would pick the battery life. Yes. And then just, just to round out this topic. So there, there was a phone that I had in 2010 uh, by HTC back when they were in their heyday uh, called the Droid Incredible. And that phone also had uh, poor battery life. And then I had to buy an extended battery for it. And if you look at the picture I sent you, that phone, which most people, if you, if you ever handed that to an iPhone user, would probably say, oh, God, this is, this is a hideous phone. It looks almost exactly the same as this. It it almost looks like it's funny because, you know, they've got the, I guess that that's the internal battery next to it, right? Yes. Yeah, so the, the part on the right is the replacement back cover that has that almost exact, uh, exact same uh, shape bulge uh, to try to compensate for well, it. But did you, did you literally, do you literally put a second internal battery inside the bulge of this case? No, no. You replace the standard battery with that one. 
and it needs a separate back cover because the phone is now considerably thicker. Got it. Yeah, because I was going to say that it, it basically looks like you t- you took a second one of those internal batteries and like stacked it on top of the first. Well, I'm sure it, that that's probably like in terms of like, uh, height <laughs> or or, or uh, thickness. It's it's exactly that. Yeah. But no, same length and width. So I I just think that I think it's nuts just because I I really hate like. I just don't see what's to be gained with the race for thinness. Like I'm sure, like uh, iPads, sure it's fine. They they get uh, eight to twelve hours of usage, and that's pretty repeatable and and in in a safe bet. But on phones, it's not, and the phone keeps getting thicker. Or sorry, gets uh, getting thinner. Even like just the iPhone six and six S kind of like a current uh, body design. If they just made it slightly thicker and put a larger battery in it. They could avoid having that un- weird, awkward camera bulge, and everybody would be happier. And this just this whole thing wouldn't even be a conversation. I I couldn't agree more, but I guess to try to play devil's advocate, and similar to the way that Gruber did, it, it it seems like it has to be done this way, or is done this way for a reason. What reason's that? I I don't know. I really don't. But I I can't. I I don't think Apple would just be going this direction either for no reason or for for the wrong reasons like well no they are doing the wrong reason they're they're putting uh because apparently they have they have design taste sometime so that that's what they're prioritizing just really uh really really thin phones at the expense of everything else because the the race or or the desire to get a really thin phone leads to weird awkward things like the camera bulge like i i do not believe that anybody at apple is proud that that protrudes so not why why not just have it just be a little bit thicker like last week with many of your questions i i don't have the answer all right it's your job it's your homework for next week to find the answer okay so i feel like we should just get all the apple stuff out of the way from from the get-go can I ask another random question? That this this isn't really a topic that I had uh, on the agenda, but I just wanted to address. Uh, please. Uh, how do you think Tim Cook sleeps at night, knowing that uh, his company shipped the workout app on the Apple Watch? <laughs> well, pr- probably probably be on a bet of money. I already know, but probably knowing that it's better than any other app on the Apple Watch. I agree with you. It's, it's not. not. Very, I agree with you. It's not very good, but the rest of the apps on the Apple Watch are atrocious. The timer is great. <laughs> Timer's top notch. Well, see, I actually don't necessarily agree with that because I think setting the timer with the the smart dial is sometimes a little the smart dial or what? What the hell is it called? The crown? It's digital the digital crown, crown sir. Um, <laughs> whatever. Smart dial. <laughs> whatever. That's probably the thing on your Curie cold. <laughs> Maybe. Well, which which one? Uh, it's it's great when we we have little inside jokes that we then repeat on the show without the context. People love that, I'm sure. No, no, I, we we talked about the Keurig cold uh, like three weeks ago. Well, but they the people don't know about our Slack exchange earlier this week, where I joked about having two of them in my studio apartment. I wouldn't put it past you. <laughs> That's how you're uh, keeping your Christmas tree uh, uh, hydrated. <laughs> it's, it's right. Yeah, I I bought this weird, um, yeah, this this weird kind of. Um, type of tree which which does better with carbonated water <laughs> <laughs> that's the next generation of uh gmos that's right yeah 
Um, All right, sorry, where were you going? Well, so you you were talking about the um, the Apple Watch, the fitness app. Sure, and then you were making a complaint about the uh, the timer app, which I said was the only good app. You you almost forgot to unmute yourself there. I just want just wanted the people to know. It's fine. I'm all out of sorts because we're not using the tried and true and tested um, uh, Skype. We're using uh, some weird web browser based thing that I promise will eat this recording. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We, we maybe we should come back to that, um, or maybe we won't be able to. Um, Did you listen to this week's ex- exponent? No, I haven't. It's good, but also uh, they uh, they had to do it for a second time because uh, there was a recording error. So don't don't tell me it was using what we're using right now. No, it's not. Okay. Anyway, so yeah, so no, I I have no issues with the timer app. I think it's great. Well, I I think I think trying it's, it's to set, pretty dead simple. I think trying to set the time with the uh, digital crown is yeah, it's, it's it's a little imprecise sometimes. I'm not sure about that. I think you just wear uh you wear your watch upside down. <laughs> What's that? That's you're so weird. I'm not. Sorry. Again, I assume we have a small audience, but I think the uh. The size of our audience actually has an Apple Watch. It's probably even smaller. But most people are wearing it upside down. You're supposed to, if you're right-handed, wear it on your uh, left wrist, but also have the uh, the click button and the digital crown on the left side. So that way you're able to precisely control things and click them with your uh, the thumb of your dominant hand. That's That's bizarre to me. It's not. Try it for two days, and I guarantee... You will be sending me a, a bunt cake. I'm I'm not I'm not going to do that. You won't try it, or you won't <laughs> send me the bunt cake when when you're sure I'm right. <laughs> well, I, two's not going to become reality because one's not. It's weird. I guarantee you will like it. No. Because the, just just imagine it of like just trying like I'm doing it right now. Like it, the input is extremely precise if you use your right thumb. If you're using your index finger, it's it's terrible. Why is your thumb different than your index finger? Because it's larger. <laughs> like I guarantee, seriously, try it for a day. No. Listen to that Adele song and then try it for a day and then just let me know how I changed your life. Uh, no, I'm not going to. Can you just say that it's because you don't want to be, you're afraid to be wrong? <laughs> no, I, I have no problem being wrong. So then why not give it a try? Because I, I don't want to. <laughs> Anyway, so the workout app. Sorry, go, go, rewinding this. Yeah, we'll we'll cut, we'll cut all that out. The workout app is the worst thing in the world. One is it's it's so slow. Like I just opened it right now. Just getting to the point where I can choose to start a run, you literally have to wait four seconds and then wait another three seconds before you can hit the start button. Well, but, but you're describing you're describing the experience of every Apple Watch app, but in most cases, that four second wait is like a nine or ten second wait. But again, it's a standalone app that's doing nothing related to the phone. There's no data transfer latency here. Well, in theory, with Watch OS two, there's not a lot of data latency in a lot of places. All I'm saying is that because I'm and actually I'm going to say this on the record, I'm trying to get uh, I, as of uh, last Friday. I'm uh, re- renewing my whole uh, get healthy thing. I kind of fell off the wagon. Uh, so I'm, I'm stating it publicly to, put my, to add some accountability to myself. But um, I've, been, I've been running more and doing things, and it's just so slow. And particularly when you're, like, you're tired from a run and, and you just wrapped up and you want to uh, end the run, not only does it take forever for it to wake up 
and then you have to press like three times trying to force press it in just the right way to end it. Half the time I feel like um, I've deleted the run I just did because the phone will pop up saying, oh, you've achieved your exercise goal or like, or just weird stuff that's just super slow and just not good. Well, so I'll actually tell you my um, problem with the fitness app. And I actually was going to bring this up on the show anyway. So this is a nice, nice little segue. Um, so I played basketball tonight after work uh, with some coworkers. And obviously, I'm not going to wear my Apple Watch when I'm playing basketball. Why not? So I have tried. It's weird. Um, and you also, you're, you're worried like if you like hit somebody like with your with your wrist which i mean it accidentally happens a lot when you're playing like it's gonna hurt a lot more when you've got an apple watch on your wrist but you've got the sport well i'm not worried about the watch i'm worried about the person no i know it's very lightweight aluminum yeah whatever um but it's just yeah it's just it's not very comfortable to wear anyway okay um and so you know when i look at like my my fitness weekly summary today was probably the highest level of activity I've had so far this week. But when I go back and look at my summary, because I had my watch off that whole time, it's going to look like one of the lowest. So it's, I don't know, it's just, it's, it's inconsistent um, how you can capture your activity using the watch. And I feel like it, for a lot of use cases, like when you're playing sports, it just doesn't, um, it doesn't effectively capture everything. It's, it's not painting a full picture is what I'm trying to say. No, that's certainly true. And also, um, I've noticed that uh, sometimes I'll do like fitness workouts at home or something, just trying to just do like some cardio stuff that's not traditional, like running. And if you just wear the watch and uh, just do the same activities versus starting the workout app and dealing with its awfulness and just choosing the workout type other and then starting it and ending it, you get like six times as much uh, like uh, recorded fitness stuff. When, like, you, I when don't... you have the fitness app on versus not having it on? Exactly. Hmm. So that just seems, it seems nuts to me. Like I shouldn't have to remember that I'm going to be doing a little bit of extra exercise. And therefore, if I want it to count appropriately, I have to go tell my, uh, my watch that I'm doing physical activity. I thought that's the whole point of the um, intermittent uh, reading like every 10 minutes of the uh, heart rate sensor so that it would know that stuff. Otherwise, this is just a fancy pedometer. Well, I think, though, when the fitness app is running, the, the heart rate monitor and whatever other fitness monitors the watch has, or instead of checking every 10 minutes, they're basically, like, on constantly. Well, then I assume the watch should figure out, like, as you start doing things with, with a greater frequency, then maybe just increase the interval. Well, like that, that doesn't seem out of line. I think that's a, another nice segue into another topic that I have, which is the Apple Watch 2 uh, reportedly um, set to debut next March. Sure, but just real quick, you didn't, you didn't answer my main question. Uh, which is what? Uh, how does Tim Cook sleep at night? <laughs> I, I don't have an answer to that question either. Stop asking me questions I don't have the answer to. Anyway, you, you completely ruined my nice segue, but let's try this again. We're, we're going to cut all that out. We're going to cut everything up to this point out. Sure. You're nice hoverboard. Right. Um, so Apple Watch 2, uh, Mark, Mark Gurman. So, you know, because it's him who's talking about this, I basically am for sure this is going to happen. Um, I can't tell you the last time he was wrong about something like this. So 
um, yeah, it was a March debut, and it, what made me think of it was, you know, one of the debut features is supposed to be improved um, health monitoring. So maybe it will have something like automatically turning on the sensors when it detects increased activity. Um, but anyway, with that kind of tie to the previous subject out of the way, the, like, the, the main thing I want to talk about here is like whether or not Apple Watch is a truly annual product. Like to me, one of the mistakes that Apple made with the iPad was trying to turn it into an annual product. And through consumer demand, it's been very clear that the iPad is more of like an every other year kind of uh, product in terms of its upgrade cycle. So what do you think about this? I, I, I also think that the, the Apple Watch is, is more like the iPad, not, not like the iPhone in terms of how often it should get upgraded. But what do you think? So again, I'm trying to not be a Debbie Downer, or, or sorry, um, a Dennis Downer. But uh, if the first one had been good, I would totally agree with you. But because I, I cautiously would say I do like the basic notification elements of the watch, I am kind of excited can, can for we, a good one. Can I just can I stop you there for a minute? Mm -hmm. I, I'll have to go back and see. There were like at least three or four episodes where I kept, before the Apple Watch came out, where I kept telling you that was like the thing and that you were going to love it. And you were like, no, no, that's dumb. I don't need that. And I, and I, I, think I, even, I think I even said it to the point where I was like, and I can't wait until like six months from now when you love Well, the here's the thing. You're welcome to go and search through those episodes and find the one where you can shove that in my face. And then I'll say, you were right. And that's it. Except I'm not saying that now. So you have to go through do that like six hours of work to try to find it. Yeah. I'm, just I'm, for that small sense of satisfaction. I'm probably not going to do that. <laughs> there you go. So I win. Like, again, like I, I do like it for those reasons. I enjoy not having, I, I enjoy that my phone makes no noise anymore, except when I'm getting a phone call. I enjoy that my pocket's not randomly vibrating. There are certain things I do like about it, except the difference is that that's 5% of what Apple advertises it should do. And the other 95% is not good. So I, because I do like it, I would hope for a better one. So I, while I don't think it should be an, an annual upgrade product, I, I, I'm looking forward to one that is actually good. So do you think the Apple Watch 2 is going to be that product? I have no idea. I'm sure they're going to overpromise and underliver again. Hmm. Like again, like th this this product frustrates me because again, like I, I even I even went and got the nicer one. Like I I don't I'm not afraid of spending money on it, and I do like it, but just the insane, just how mediocre and, and just how poorly executed it is, just is it it boggles my mind. Like it does way too much, and it does even it does even more unsuccessfully so i i i don't know like do you remember the original like uh i forget which event they announced it at but the one where they did the initial preview of it was that with the iphone event it was for like the original iphone 6 yes do you remember the video that they showed like it was like an eight minute video of like suggested uses it wasn't the first one where they um showed all the different watch bands like in like the original like teaser for it but the one where they showed uh, people running with the watch, uh, uh, tracking their their workouts with it, playing music from it, and doing all that kind of stuff. Do you remember that one? No. Mm -mm. 
Okay, so I mean, they they had one where they were showing uh, just what you can be doing with it. You can you can check your notifications. You can do all this kind of stuff. You can use it as a remote shutter for your phone, which I refuse to believe anybody on the planet has ever done that. But like they showed, like oh, you can go on a hike with it. You can uh, be listening to uh, music directly from the watch. It does all this great stuff. None of which you can do that easily. Like, have you ever tried transferring music to the watch? No, no. I have. It's the worst experience ever. Have you ever tried pairing Bluetooth headphones to the watch that are already paired with your iPhone? Of course not. You shouldn't because you have to unpair them from your phone, get them back in a pairing mode, navigate menus on the tiny screen on your watch, and try three times to get it paired only for the, pho- for the music not to have transferred successfully. It's, it's just insanely underwhelming and, and, and poorly executed. Yeah, well, you know, the thing that uh, that I've really been hung up on um, is just how apps continue to just not work very well or very quick. I mean, to be honest, I think in a blind test, I'm not really sure I'd be able to tell the difference between watchOS 1 and watchOS 2 in terms of third-party app um, speed. That's probably true because the only like again we were talking about this when you're looking for a new weather app like uh, most I, I use almost no apps on it now and generally I will try to minimize the level I use any apps and the ones that I do use are ones that are incredibly simplistic like OmniFocus uh, that do a really good job of that and we're fine on WatchOS one because they're just very lightweight and economical about what they transfer between the phone and the watch. But again, back to your original question about whether this should be an annual upgrade cycle product, I would say until it's good, yes. I just uh, they they need to figure out who they're going to get to buy these. Well, you and me, As suckers like you and me. Yep. <laughs> again, and I, and again, that's the thing. I don't know if I'm like, should I buy the ni- the nice one again next time? I I have zero idea. Because I assume like anybody buy like how many people do. Again, how many people do you see with Apple Watches? Now that we're now that we're like six months in, quite a few. Seriously? Yeah, I, we, I, I don't live see in, that I many. live in San Francisco, and I, I work for a tech company. So yes, of course, of course, I see a lot of. If I didn't see a lot of Apple Watches in the places that I'm that I'm frequently at, then that would be a real problem, I think, for Apple. I don't know. Like I, I just feel like uh, Apple Watches are. Uh, like they're like the new Fitbit in the sense that they're going to be gifts people get and they never get worn again. Well, except they're <laughs> they're like three to five times the price of a Fitbit. Eh, the the Fitbit Flex is like one thirty, and an Apple Watch starts out at three fifty. Whatever. Huh. Right. So about three times. You said five. I said three to five. Yeah, you were you were you were hinting vocally with the five. Right, which if you buy the steel version, five is about the right number. Nobody's buying the steel version as a gift, except for you for yourself. That you're not buying yourself something as a gift. You're purchasing something with money. <laughs> I accept your apology. All right, we. Uh... Well, so, okay, so some some other Apple stuff to to breeze through here. So, um, in that same March event, the so the rumor goes. We're also going to see a new four-inch iPhone. So this will be like the iPhone, you know, six C. Maybe not called that, but basically, you know, the the five C equivalent. But you know, new design, uh, faster processor, 
again, foreign screen. Um, what do you think about this? Like you, as someone who you were, you were pretty vocal about not necessarily wanting bigger screens on the iPhone six when that first came out. So like is a new four inch iPhone, is that in any way interesting to you? So does the rumor suggest that, uh, it would be a low end or a high end device? Cause again, if they made a, something that was on par with the current top of the line model that was a little bit smaller, uh, there's a good chance I would reconsider a four inch phone. I'd probably prefer that. Well, so the the rumor, but if is... it's a, if it's a five C like thing where it's gonna be a low end uh, model with last year's specs and uh, poorer build quality, then no, no, I wouldn't. Um, it sounds like it's gonna be somewhere in the middle. No, then. Yeah. Again, no matter what, I would never choose the one that's worse at its job. Right. Yeah. I, I, I even though it's not for you and me though, I think it's smart. I mean, I, I, I don't, I can't think of a good reason why you wouldn't want to give people as many different screen choices as possible on their phone because it is such a personal thing. Well, because then you have a complicated product line, and you know that Apple doesn't like doing that. Oh wait, let's look at the iPads. No, I well, yeah, but I, I don't even think that necessarily complicates the product line. I, I think even to someone who isn't tech savvy at all you can go into a store you can look at three different size screens and you know hold the phones and figure out what feels best to you i don't i don't i don't think that's complicated at all i i think it is because you know they're not going to stop selling because it's tim cook's apple you know that they're not going to stop selling the 5s so you have the choice between the 5s the 6c the 6 the 6 plus the 6s the 6s plus that's crazy I'm I'm on the iPad website right now. You can buy the iPad Pro, the iPad Air 2, the iPad Air, the iPad Mini 4, the iPad Mini 2. Oh, where's the 3? Who cares? I just don't get it. Because, again, this goes back to the battery case thing. In a lot of ways, what, what used to make Apple Apple? Well, I think a lot of the things that I talked about earlier, the fit and finish, the attention to detail. The ability to say no. Oh, yeah, that's that's another good one. I, I mean, like, yeah, the, the fit and finish and all that kind of stuff. And I think a lot of the hardware is still being executed well. But again, old Apple used to say no to a lot of things. And now it seems like, I don't know, Tim Cook just doesn't want to say no to anything. Well, old, old Carlos used to say yes to everything. Uh, new Carlos is using a 5K iMac. That's good. I know that's that's the the one sign that maybe old Carlos is still in there somewhere. No, no, he's dead again. <laughs> but again, I love this computer. Yeah, I just noticed. Um, I just noticed on my cinema display here. So every once in a while, it has like this this part of the screen that'll go into like it'll just have like this rainbow stripe down the down. <laughs> it, it actually, I haven't, I haven't seen it in a while. So it might have been something with like the Mac Mini or something. Um, but now I'm noticing like in the, that same side of the screen, but this time like more on the top edge, there's this like dark gray spot where if I like <laughs> hover, like if I hover our Skype or our, our Slack window rather over that part of the screen, I can see this, this big gray splotch. So it's like, it's like moldy bread. <laughs> kind of. Yeah. <laughs> the moldy bread cinema display. Uh-huh. All right. Uh, you know what that means? No, I don't. It means it's time to get a 60-inch uh, uh, OLED 4K television and hook your Mac Mini up to it. 
<laughs> or sorry, the your, uh, your 13-inch Retina MacBook Pro. I don't know if the Retina MacBook Pro could power that. Uh, you got the 2015 13-inch, right? Like, oh, I, I bought it within like a couple weeks of yours, yeah. Uh, then, yeah, I can. Okay. So, okay, so let's let's end. Let's let's move on. Yeah, let's end with a positive Apple development, and then we're done with the Apple stuff. Uh, go ahead and, and run through that, and I'll make sure that's the case. Okay. So this is the um, iOS remote app finally becoming compatible with the new Apple TV. So we, we should say yesterday, Apple basically came out with software updates for everything. So new new version of iOS, iOS 9.2, uh, Mac OS 10.11.2 or whatever we're on now. What, 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 are we, what are we even on now? Is this, was that right at all? 10.11.2? Uh, I'm running 10.11.1, so I'd assume that's the case. Okay. And then um, Watch OS 2.1 and um, TVOS uh, 9.1. And as part of that TVOS upgrade, again, we were getting support for the iOS remote app, which, you know, the, the reason you want that nece- isn't necessarily to do a lot of control um, with the Apple TV, but you want it for text input because the remote app has the ability to pull up a full keyboard and What's great about that is you can copy and paste passwords from one password. You can quickly type in text if you're searching for something. It's the perfect input method. And it was just baffling how that wasn't available from day one on Apple TV. And there's, there's been this weird evolution over the last 24 hours where we went from Apple seemingly saying that, no, they weren't ever going to upgrade the remote app to be compatible with the new Apple TV, so now there was an interview with Eddie Q today hinting at a new remote app, which is basically going to um, emulate all the features of the new Siri remote. So you'll be able to you know, speak into it and, and all that kind of stuff. So I don't know. It seems like, it seems like this has to be a, a 180. I can't imagine that Apple just couldn't have gotten this done in time. I can, because the release version of the uh, Apple TV OS, or whatever it's called, didn't have Apple Music support in it. So yes, I can totally believe that they didn't have stuff finished. Yeah, but I mean, Apple Music wasn't on the old Apple TV, so that really was sort of like a a new ground-up feature, whereas like the remote app was already up and running. But, But the old one didn't run... The new fancy splashy version of uh, TVOS. Yeah, but the but the remote app didn't even need an up upgrade. It, it there there was an update that came out today, but it was unrelated. Like I before that update came out today, I paired my iPhone with the new Apple TV, and it just worked. Well, no, of course. So I mean, clearly there wasn't like a lot of upgrading that needed to be done. Sure, but what we're saying is that the original, what I'm talking about is that the original rollout of TVOS 9 or whatever runs on the fourth gen Apple TV was incomplete in a lot of ways. Yeah. Well, anyway, th- this is a this is a positive thing. I'm 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 really glad e- even if it even if it was something that Apple didn't originally want to do and they changed their mind and that now they've done it, I'm glad they are because having that there for text input is a must have. So I'm looking at your notes here and it says uh that in an interview with Eddie Q, uh, he says that over half of fourth-gen Apple TV buyers are upgraders. 
Uh, I don't know. W- wouldn't it be more notable to say that about half of the buyers are new to Apple TV? I think it's it's maybe maybe it's trying to get at that customer sat is I can't even say this is a straight face. Customer sat's off the charts, and um, people are so happy with their Apple TV that they rushed out and purchased the new one. Wouldn't it be uh, more likely that people are disappointed in their current Apple TV and hoped for something better, and then were probably <laughs> immediately disappointed again? See, damn it, Carlos, we're trying to end all this Apple stuff on a positive note. We'll we'll we'll, we'll find something, but the Apple TV is not going to be it. Although, actually, you know what? We will end on a positive note, and it will be about Apple TV. Uh, one half of so. I am not looking forward to, or I, or I don't really care to get a new Apple TV at all because I don't use my other one that much. But um, I, there were two things that I thought might get me to do it. The first was I wanted two to three native apps on it. I want uh, Pandora on it, which just happened. And then I want a Spotify and Fitstar. So once those happen, I will probably be getting one. What was the third one? Uh, Fitstar. I feel like you've mentioned that on the show before, but I can't. Yeah, it was a rec- yeah. So, uh, like I was saying, like I'm trying to get healthier again. But no, it's a really good uh, fitness application that's available on iPad, but it relies on AirPlay mirroring to go to your television set. If that was native on on Apple TV, that would be a big reason to buy. Are these like workout routines? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah, let me send you a link. It got bit. Uh, I think it got uh, purchased by Fitbit. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's nice. It's it's automated. It uh, gives you really good instructions on uh, how to do something. It uh, tailors the workout uh, automatically to what how you're feeling that day. It's it's very good. Nice. Yeah. So you should give it a shot. Yeah, I I, I think I might. Yeah. Okay. So um, what? Fifty minutes in here or so, depending on how much of that I I cut out. No, we we probably won't cut out anything. Um, I think we're done with the Apple stuff. Mm-hmm. So okay, so the get us get us away from some of this Apple stuff. What else you got? Let's do a really quick one uh, that I noticed before we started the show. Uh, so the Romeo Pro series or the Romeo uh, last gen of TiVo uh, got upgraded to some of the new uh, features that were exclusive to the Bolt, and uh, Quick Mode is one of those. We don't have the uh, ad skipping yet, but Quick Mode is on there now, and it is not good. It's no, it's it's not it's not great. Not something you want to use every day. Yeah, I tried it while watching the Daily Show, and it abs- it murders the comedic timing of anything. It's no, it, I think it's it's mostly for like a, a game, like a like you know, like a basketball game or something that you didn't get to watch live, and you kind of want to you know breeze through. Then you can kind of you know stop and maybe watch at regular speed a certain play that you want to see again or something. I think that's really what it's for. But with that, like, what would be cool is if they had somebody like who was doing like the commercial skip thing that allowed you to skip all like the timeouts and technical fouls and like the the fake injuries. Because basketball, when it's actually being played uh, like at normal speed and it's not like a break, is generally fast enough, is it not? Generally. Okay. Yeah, I I don't know who this features for, but uh, yeah, hopefully we'll get the uh, the ad skipping one soon. Yeah, I think you're supposed to. We, we talked about that last week. I, I think I think your box is scheduled to get that. Yeah, I'm just living in the shadow of your TiVo bolt. Mm-hmm. 
literally in the shadow. You can be right underneath the. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I've actually uh, I've, I've come around on the design of it. I think it's fine. Uh, uh, to to uh, no no uh, no comment. Okay. Um, well, so I, I've got, I've got something for you. Sure. So this is um, Ford updating their legacy sync platform uh, to support Siri eyes free. Um, so this is this the old Microsoft based one? Yeah. So this is the one that that my Ford Edge has. Oh, that's why you're so excited. Yeah. So um, and in, in addition to bringing Siri eyes free, they just made a bunch of other. Uh, little enhancements to to my version of sync and it, it seems like it's maybe a little more responsive I, maybe that's just a placebo effect i don't know but um but yeah so basically the way this works now um is you when you tap the little you know microphone button it still brings you to like the, the car's version of sync basically where you're you're giving voice commands just to sync but now if you hold that button down for an extra you know second or so it brings you into siri eyes free mode which you know, it's um, I don't know. It's it's okay. Um, like it works as advertised. Like I, on the drive home tonight, you know, did went you know, hey, what's the score of the Lakers game? And it you know, it told me. And of course, the Lakers lost. Um, so it it does neat things like that. Um, but you know what it doesn't do is it doesn't control any of the functions of sync. So for example, if you say, you know, give me directions home it will just open the Maps app on your phone and not do anything with your in-car navigation. So when you're driving, I don't know, Series I, Siri Eyes Free seems like for certain things like checking a sports score or checking the weather or something, it might be kind of useful. But, but by and large, I, I don't think this is like a, a game changer or anything. So you may have answered this and I may have missed this, but uh, what's the rollout schedule like? Has it already happened? Or how, how would you even update the software in one because it doesn't have a modem built in. So, so that's what I. That's the second part of what I wanted to talk about was the upgrade experience because it's it's pretty crazy. So, so this update came out. It's available on like something like five million cars. It, it's any sync enabled vehicle going all the way back to like 2010. Um, and so the way you do this is you go onto Ford's website, you download a zip file, and you unzip the file onto a USB drive. So that'd be a FAT32 formatted USB drive. So you can also, I should also say, you can also just take your car into a dealership and they'll just do this for you. <laughs> um, but you can do it on your own. Except, a fun fact, you can't do it in Europe. Europe, you have to bring your vehicle into the dealership. There's some law against being able to upgrade the software of your own vehicle or something like that. Um, but anyway. <laughs> and they let you rip CDs either. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but here in the land of the free, we, we can up, we can upgrade <laughs> our um, our uh, USB enabled vehicles on our own. So this, this is what you do. So you, you unzip these files to a USB drive. You then bring the USB drive to your vehicle. You unplug, you know, your iPhone or whatever else you normally have plugged into it. You plug in the USB stick, and sure enough, and this worked just as advertised this morning when I did it. It automatically came up, said, "Hey, you know, we're ready to upgrade to the new version of Sync," and it it just it just went. Um, but one of the like really crazy things about it is it took a little over half an hour, um, which is what they said it would take. Um, and you have to have your engine running the whole time that this is happening. 
And so that's why I <laughs> this this had happened like last week. Like this update came out, but I was like, I'm not I'm not just gonna go down to my garage and sit there for half an hour. Um, and, and probably die from the fumes. <laughs> well, you'd have to open your garage door. Um, Isn't that illegal in San Francisco to idle your car more than five pr- minutes? Probably. Um, but Ford literally says this as part of the documentation is they say that, you know, you're welcome to drive the vehicle while this update is happening. Oh, okay. So that's what I did. So I, I, I prepared the USB drive last night. Um, I knew I was going to be driving to work today. So... Uh, you know, I pulled out of the garage this morning, and then right before I started, you know, on my way to work, I plugged in the USB drive, and it started updating. And then about two thirds of the way to work, it finished. Um, so as as I was driving into work this morning, I was updating my vehicle through USB. Very nice. Not not something I thought I'd ever do. Feels like you're living in the future. It kind of does a little bit. So yeah, I mean, it's 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 nice that. Um, it's nice that I'm, you know, getting a little bit of getting a little bit of love um, it, for the old version of Sync, but you know, it's it's nothing, um, nothing, you know, that's going to fundamentally change the way that I use like my iPhone in the car or anything. Sure, sure. Well, good. That's uh, that's some nice uh, legacy hardware support. Yeah, and that's probably the last up, up update it's ever going to get. Quite possibly. It went out with a bang. That is a bummer to be on uh, to get the last thing that uh, that has the old generation of something. It is, yeah, no, totally. Because I'm very confident that the 2016 Ford Edge will have Sync three. Yeah, it's a bummer. But I mean, it, it's not going to be out till halfway through next year or so. So you know, I needed a car six months ago. Sure. Okay. So again, I'm I'm, I'm combing through. Uh what we uh, we're going to talk about. So I think I'm going to save the nice thing I had to say about Uber until another episode. <laughs> just to see if you are really ready to say it. Uh, no, it just, it, it just seems like it's been a negative episode and I don't, I don't want to break that up. Okay. Um, actually, do, uh, have you uh, called Comcast to fix your bill yet? No, I haven't, but I'm very interested to find out what you did. I, like, what, how would you fix the problem? Well, so um, about, well, like it, may, it must have been a little over two years ago, um, I called Comcast because my bill had gone all the way up to $170, $180 or something. And I, I called them and I was really nice. I, I was just like, hey, you know, you know my, my bill's gotten really high. Like, I, I, I'd, I'd love to see if there's a way to, to bring that down. And I got a really nice person and they're like, yeah, you know, we've got this promotion um, you know, we can get you down with all your same services. Plus we can give you HBO for free, which I didn't have at the time. So it's like, Oh, great. Um, and it would be $120 a month. But then the, the, you know, the flip side was I had to sign a two year contract. Um, but at, which at the time, two years ago, like that, that made sense. It was kind of a no brainer. So I did it. Um, but my, I guess that contract came up recently cause now my bill's like back to $180. <laughs> okay so i i guess maybe i'm i'm not as nice or i play harder ball so i I'd called in and i just said that uh, uh my bill jumped by 50 dollars a month uh over the past three months and uh i wanted to know how much it is for just internet and then it just went from there hmm 
did you end up having to sign a contract? Nope. Hmm. So yeah, my bill was generally about 115 a month, and then it shot up to 148. And then I think the, uh, and that's uh, when yeah, I started getting charged for HBO. And then uh, it went up another $20 a month, because I think somehow some promotional thing I had on the, because I have the, like, the middle tier of internet called Blast, where it's, uh, it's not the crazy gigabit fast one, but it's the one that's like 150 down. Yeah, that's, that's what I have too. Yeah, so I think there was some, some bundle promo there that also expired. So I just called in and said that uh, I'm pretty confident I want to cancel my uh, TV service and just how much does it cost for standalone internet. And then first they're like, oh, well, uh, we her, her tactic was uh, unique. Uh, she said that uh, we increased the internet speeds uh, in like September. So do you want me to just slow your internet speeds back down to what it was at that point to save $15? And I'm like, No. I'm like, that's fine. That's the one thing I'm definitely not canceling. And then, and like, that, uh, that was a, that was a crafty uh, way yeah, of going about. That was it. a veteran move. Yeah, and I'm, I'm like, nope. And then uh, she's like, all right, well, we'll just give you everything you had before for about one twenty one a month. Is that fine? I'm like, yes. Huh. Okay. Yeah. I. I mean, I'm. I'm. Uh, yeah. Someone who's worked in in retail. I'm a big believer in you know being being polite to these people. Um, and, and I also feel like ultimately the, you end up with a better resolution that way, which it sounds like, you know, you followed a similar, similar tactic and it, and it yeah. worked. Yeah, no, I, I am super, I'm exceedingly polite. Uh, and also just like, I know what questions will kind of get you to where you need to. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't get people who argue or ever get mad on the phone. Yeah. Well, or, or in person either. <laughs> sure. Sure. <laughs> But yeah, anyway, I guess the biggest thing was uh, inertia for me. I, it was on my OmniFocus to-do list, and I just kept hitting the uh, one-week defer button every week for the past, <laughs> like, three months. So that uh, decision cost me, like, $100. So um, I'd recommend that you uh, not defer it any longer and uh, call. It was like a 20-minute phone call. Yeah, I know. It's, it, it's, yeah. Just get off your butt. My, it's been... Or actually stay on your butt and, and just make a phone call. I've had the exact same experience where it was 120, and then I, th- I think, yeah, I think the free HBO thing went up, so then it was like 140, 145, and then like then it was like 160, and now it's like 180. It's just like... I think like a couple different promotions have expired. It's like, I don't know what's happened. Just think of how many Uber rides your uh, complacency has cost I know. you. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, that's uh, and just uh, for everybody generally. I mean, just yeah, call in every once in a while. Yeah. Especially, I mean, not not to make this too businessy, but also uh, Comcast is very worried about <laughs> losing subscription video subscribers. Yeah. That's what they care about. They they could give two shits if you cancel your your internet. Because those those people are not going away, but cable TV, uh, they do not they do not want you canceling. Mm. All right, yeah, I gotta have that cable TV to use uh, TiVo Quick Mode with. That's right. Um, so what else? Actually, well, since we're talking about media, uh, do you want to talk about Spotify's? Maybe uh, they might be given in to Taylor Swift. Sure. So I mean, I think this is a direct tie into what we spent a lot of time talking about last week with Miss Adele. Best-selling album of all time. Yeah. So uh, Spotify uh, has been kind of in the eye. Like, they're generally at the center of all uh, streaming music service debates. And also, for the people who pull their music off of streaming music, most of them will point to the fact that uh, Spotify has an ad-supported free tier, where while they, uh, they do actually get a pretty decent conversion rate of paying customers, there are still a lot of people who listen only on that free tier. 
and a lot of artists and record labels object to the fact that uh, the premium content or kind of the most popular stuff is ultimately still available to people who pay nothing. So it looks like uh, Spotify might be giving into that and allowing artists and record labels to withhold certain content from the ad-supported tier, which seems like a big win and also kind of a big um, uh, a big uh, concession from Spotify that really didn't ever want to do that. Yeah, um, I was thinking. So I was thinking about this. It's not. It's really not a perfect analogy, but this is the way that I that I thought about it. it it's it's sort of like movies when they first get. Um, released, you know, not not on home video anymore. But you know what I mean. Well, no, like the cascading uh, release model. Yeah, where you know now it, it's fairly common for when a movie comes to to the home, you can you know first only buy it on something like iTunes for like the first month, then you can rent it, you know, for five six bucks a pop, um, and and then eventually, you know some number of months or maybe some number of years depending on the movie later it comes to something like netflix now obviously it's not a it's not a perfect analogy because there is no free tier like in that conversation but you you kind of know what i mean right well there's the one where you get the most money out of it right yeah yeah i mean and uh i think that happened also with uh do you remember this has gone away now that uh netflix's uh distribution model has changed but do you remember when it was a big deal like five years ago that um uh, new movie releases had this like weird 28-day blackout window where they weren't available to Netflix on DVD to force people into either buying it or doing it on um, the super expensive uh, video-on-demand services. I do remember that, yes. That, that, that was short-lived and also <laughs> didn't work out well for the uh, content providers. But um, yeah, they they always... Again, when you have content that's in demand, you want to uh, kind of spread it out and uh release it in a kind of a cascading uh fashion so that you generate the most income or revenue off of your uh, in-demand content so that 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 makes sense but um i think it's different for music what do you mean i just think music's more important and i think adele and taylor Swift should get paid everything they want yeah, but again, like I, again, because I'm a, I'm a, somebody who's very not anti advertising, but like if there's an option to pay for something, I will. This this means nothing to me. I don't understand how anybody could use Spotify with ads. No, it's it's what the overwhelming majority of people do. Same thing with Pandora One. How do people live? It, anyway. It's it's a it's a personal preference thing. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Congrats to uh, Taylor Swift and uh, Miss Adele. Maybe. Well, we'll, we'll see. This is just in the No, in the I'm, give, I'm giving now. Adele congratulations just for uh, the past year. Oh, I see. Or mainly the past three weeks. Good for her. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, I'll let you pick where we go next. Uh, well, so the, so the, uh, actually this is um, a, a topic that you've put in um, here, which is um, a, a follow-up or a check-in, as you, you know, are famous for saying, with your QC25s. Oh, yeah. Uh, please don't say what I actually said. I'm not, oh, I'm not going to. No, this is a fa- family-friendly show. I, I, think, I think that's still family-friendly. <laughs> oh, I, no, definitely not. <laughs> no, the, these things are, are fantastic. That they, they add so much sanity. Like, have you ever, um, 
Well, this, this is weird because I don't think you do a whole lot of work on like once you're outside of work, you don't use computers much, right? Yeah, that's, that's a that's a fair statement. I th I think since I've gotten my MacBook Pro, I maybe use that a little bit more. Um, but no, I think that's that's fairly true. But you'll generally be i you'll be very iOS when you're outside of work. Definitely. Okay. I mean, I still do actual work, or like I like using a traditional computer. And if I'm ever uh, working outside or trying to uh, not get distracted when I'm at home or if I'm like at a coffee shop or something, uh, normally the earpods just would not cut it and they would not allow me to concentrate. And I would either have to like blast whatever I was trying to listen to. Uh, but no, the QC25s are, are amazing. The noise cancellation works great, but it also doesn't silence everything. Uh, so I just cannot say enough nice things about these headphones. Um, well, I mean, I, th I think where I can relate is I sit in a, you know, open concept thing at work, which I've talked about. And so having noise canceling headphones for me is a must for, you know, many hours a day. So do you, um, how often, how many times a day do you take them off? Uh, well, I mean, fairly frequently because I'm, you know, have a handful of meetings every day and obviously, you know, have various conversations with people throughout the day. So. You know, I don't have them on constantly. Sure. Uh, do you ever get, uh, like, any fatigue from wearing them? No, not really. I mean, sometimes if I go a really long time, like, more so, like, on a plane uh, flight or something, um, you know, if I'm wearing them for, like, a couple of hours straight, like, when I take them off, it's kind of like, oh, geez, yeah, I'm, you know. <laughs> but no, not, 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 not terrible. Okay. Gotcha. Well, good. So yeah, I, I highly recommend them for anybody looking for above average headphones uh, with the perk of noise cancellation. Because I'm sure they're not the best headphones in the world, uh, but they, they sound great and pretty well balanced overall. And the noise cancellation, which on the QC25s so you can turn on as, uh, as you need it, uh, it's just fantastic. Yeah, Bose, Bose in general is a, kind of an easy brand to recommend. It's a safe bet. Yeah. Because again, like it, it depends on whether or not you're like one of those audiophile people or who are super picky about stuff and they're like, oh, lossless audio and whatever. But they generally almost always sound pleasing. Like the, the Soundlink Mini sounds fantastic. Again, I'm sure it's not the most accurate sound in the world, but it doesn't sound like some god-awful Beats product that's just all bass all the time. It just out of the box sounds pretty great. And it's kind of expensive-ish, but not that bad. No, yeah, the Soundlink Mini is great. And I... I have, uh, I'm, I'm wearing them right now as we record. It, it, they used to be called like the IE2Is. Now they, they've got some other name. Um, oh, like the Soundlink Sport or something? Or? Yeah, well, but they, they have the you Sport the one, version. The, the Zebra cord. Right. They, they have the yeah. Sport version, but I have the non-Sport version. So, I mean, the, the, the best testament I can give to these is I've lost two pairs of them, which I'm not proud of, but it, it happens. And I've, I've, I'm on my third pair. So I've, I've bought these headphones three times because of how much I enjoy them. And I, both, times I've, both times I've lost a pair, I've tried to go without them. Like I, I, it's not like I went out and just bought a new pair right away. Like some number of months went by, and I eventually was like, damn it, I, I really love those headphones. <laughs> and I keep, you know, keep coming back to them. And like I said, I'm wearing them right now, and they're, they're, they're the headphones I wear most often because they're the headphones I like wear on my commute. I wear them for this. I wear them when I'm just like out and about or just doing things around the apartment. Um, I really only wear like the noise canceling ones when I'm actually at my desk. Sure. And I guess I'll ask what um, I only ever really use the Powerbeats wireless when I'm running mm -hmm. 
a lot of people like them in other scenarios. Do you ever wear them at other times? No, no. Because they're just not an appropriate fit, right? Right. No, I, I've thought about, because I, I really want to try going back to some form of wireless headphones for my commute, which we've talked a bunch about on the show. Um, and I've thought about trying the Power Beats 2 for that, but I haven't even tried it because just intuitively, it just doesn't seem like that's going to be the right fit. Yeah, that sounds right. Because you know, as much as I love the Power Beats 2, and I, I really do enjoy them, they're, they're the best Bluetooth um, fitness headphones I've ever used, but um the, the the fit is still not like perfect like for me like when i'm running the only reason they work for me is because i'll typically wear like a, some kind of like beanie um and they they help you know keep the headphones in place sure but without that I, they bounce around quite a bit yeah it makes sense okay uh... so another, another little random thing you, you put in here uh this is a question you posed why do RSA hardware tokens still exist? Yeah, do you want to describe what these are for people? I, I yeah, I would love to. I for a um, couple years had one. Uh, actually, um, yeah, a couple years I had one. Um, where so you know basically this goes back to the idea of you know a secure password being something you have and something you know. So you know the, like a, the password you type in is what you know. And then what you have can be some type of little token with a randomly generating code that you then enter after typing in your, your password. Um, and, you know, there's, there's many different ways to do this. I think by and large, what most solutions are going towards is, is software solutions where you just have like an app which is running. And I, which I've had, I've had that too. I actually had the, I had the RSA app before I had a hardware token. So I, I kind of went backwards. Um, but... Um, but yeah, so in, instead of having to like carry around like this separate little hardware thing, you know, now you can just download a, like an RSA app and it'll just generate the code for you. Gotcha. So yeah, this was actually goes back to when I was at a coffee shop a couple days ago and I saw like a, a young person, uh, with, uh, on his keychain had an RSA token and I just didn't understand why. Cause I, I actually, because I don't, um, use any services that encrypt that way. They just have strong passwords, or they use the um, the Google Authenticator version of two factor. Um, I just I I didn't realize that RSA actually did software based stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it just seems weird that, that still exists. Um, it it's kind of I think it's still sort of the industry standard. I mean, they had that big. In fact, I actually had one of the hardware tokens when they had that big security breach, and mm -hmm. the company that I worked for at the time. So that the reason I had it was the company that I worked for at the time. Um, made us use them, and they 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 gave us new hardware tokens. Right after that happened. Uh, gotcha. Okay. So anyway, uh, yeah, I was wondering why those were still a thing. Uh, but no, if they uh eventually moved to software, then that makes perfect sense. Yeah, I mean the the RSA app's been out a long time. Like that's that's what I used at Best Buy. Um, on on my what was that HTC Tilt. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh man that phone kind of wish i got to keep that phone i'm sure you can pick it up on ebay for four cents <laughs> probably yeah <sighs> the tilt. can we can we uh can you make sure people know that it was spelled with a y right or am i making no i know i think you're making that up oh okay damn okay no it wasn't yeah no 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 
Oh, that's what it was. So uh, this was back. So did uh, were we saying AT and T tilt or HTC tilt? Uh, HTC tilt. Okay. So yeah, back in uh, when they were the the big wigs or the the big uh, hundred five hundred pound gorilla. What's what's the expression? Are you, are you thinking? Are you thinking of when they were Pac Bell? <laughs> Is that what you're trying to say? No, no. When HTC was uh, like a dominant oh, player in smartphones. Okay. You're still talking about AT and T. No, no, no. So they used to have uh, like a sub brand called the Titan, but it was spelled T Y T N. That's that's where I'm getting that from. What? Yeah, Google uh, HTC T Y T N. Should I have Safe Search on or? No. What, why? Why would this be dirty? Uh, I don't know. It's never know with you. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so it's spelled um, just like I said, T Y T N. Well, but but um, but imp- oh, you mean the capitalization? <laughs> importantly, capital T, lowercase, lowercase y, y, capital T, capital N. Uh, the HTC Titan. So it, it was this a family of phones or? Yes, like so. Those were phones that they made themselves because this was back when uh, HTC was an ODM that made them specifically for uh, the carriers. Like back on Verizon, it would become like Verizon had their own uh, branding of the XV line of Windows-based smartphones, and then AT and T had these weird funky names like the uh, the Tilt and the eighty one twenty five. These were all fantastic uh, phone names. But yeah, they, uh, HTC internally, or when they were selling direct to consumers, called them the Titan. T Y T N. Wow. Man, do you, do you remember when Windows phones were cutting edge? Well, I was going to say, so they, they, they this Wikipedia link, that's just one of the first links of this Google search, um, has a little like Windows mobile summary at the bottom, and it shows all the different versions of Windows mobile. And it was like, so it's like Pocket PC 2000, Pocket PC 2002, mobile. Wait, where is this? So this is just on the bottom of the HTC Titan Wikipedia page. And there's mobile 2003, and then mobile 5.0, 6.0, 6.1, and 6.5. Do you remember 6.5 was the one that was really taken on the iPhone? I wonder what my HTC Tilt had. I think it was it, probably 6.1. Yeah, 6 or 6.1, I would guess. I think I upgraded it at some point, I want to say. I don't know, I can't I can't remember if that was like a full OS version upgrade but there was some big upgrade I did on it at one point probably adding the latest adding the latest version of Solitaire. I really hope those in-home geek squad guys are using like iPhones now. I really really hope they're not stuck using some they're probably using BlackBerry Z30. <laughs> oh no. Uh... So they don't even have the good but out of date BlackBerry. <laughs> They've got the uh, the new super crappy one. Oh, I hope not. Well, on that note, do you think they're gonna? Do you think they're uh, four years too late uh, thing of adopting Android? Do you think that's gonna go anywhere? Um, well, who is this? HTC, BlackBerry. Oh, BlackBerry with their Priv. Oh yeah, no, BlackBerry's done. Okay, there's. I think a- is the last one they're ever making. I don't know. They've lasted a lot longer than I thought they would, so they they might continue kicking around for a while, but. No, there's there's nothing there's nothing BlackBerry can do to turn turn them around. Okay. Um, let's see what we can wrap this up with. Do you have any opinions on the uh, the Dropbox thing? Oh yes, maybe maybe we'll end with that. Um, 
So yeah, so what you're talking about is um, Dropbox officially um, killing off uh, Mailbox and Carousel. Mailbox was the email app that they had acquired a couple years ago, and then Carousel was a, I believe, an internally developed right a photo product. I believe they made one small acquisition to get some stuff, but yeah, yeah. it was mostly internally developed. Right. Um, and, you know, Mailbox was was fairly beloved at the time that it was acquired by Dropbox. And I think initially people were, were pretty excited that, um, you know, now that they had the resources of Dropbox, maybe they'd really be able to kind of take it to the next level. Um, Carousel, I think people were always a little, little lukewarm on. Um, to my I never used either product, so I can't really say I have a, a strong strong opinion towards either. Yeah, Mailbox seemed to have a really um, loyal and uh, like religious following. Um, and then uh, Carousel, that was weird. Uh, just because did Carousel come out before or after iCloud Photo Library? Like, was it like six months before? Like, it had really weird timing. I don't, I don't really remember. Okay. So, but yeah, Carousel was this weird thing where uh, it was an incredibly limited uh, way of storing your photos inside Dropbox. It would automatically upload them for you uh, and c- try to put them into albums, but it wouldn't ever like allow you to um, exclude anything on it. And it was just super, super basic. And it was just weird as to why it existed. Because if you're going to do something like this, you could have just stuck fold, uh, photos inside your Dropbox. And it just kind of like, what did this really add for Dropbox? So what do you what do you think happens next hmm i i don't know yeah like because you so it seems obvious that dropbox seems not content to just be everybody's favorite place to store your files which i guess for me that's the part that kind of confuses me about silicon valley and, and stuff like this is why can't anybody just be good at something and just have a profitable business with it you know what I mean? No, I, I totally know what you mean. And if... Like, everything has to do something else. Just, like, make something good and just let me pay for it and then just make money. Yeah, and if, if there's any company that should follow that type of model, I think it would be something like Dropbox. But I, I'm, I'm with you where I, I, it's clear that they have, you know, much bigger ambitions than that. Like, they're doing this, like, the next big thing or not... <laughs> Sorry, that's Samsung's oh. thing. <laughs> Sorry, I'm gonna, Samsung's lawyers are going to... No, they're very, they, very litigious. They've already taken, out, taken down this podcast from whatever weird cloud back in this cast thing is. Sure. <laughs> How pissed are you going to be if this thing eats the recording? I swear to God, like, I'm terrified I'm going to close the tab on accident. We should, you know, we have, we, so we, just, can I take 30 seconds and just explain this? We, we briefly sure. alluded to it earlier. So yeah, so we normally record um, using um, Call Recorder, which is a plugin for Skype. So you and I, we can hear one another using Skype, but what we're actually then doing is using Call Recorder, we're each recording our local end of the podcast, which is, you know, that's why our audio quality is so excellent, if I don't, you know, say so myself. Um, so we, we're actually just, you're, you're hearing our locally recorded version. Um, but there, there's some some kind of hassle with that where you've got to sync up the tracks and then on the back end with editing, I've got to convert the files from like .mov files, which is what Call Recorder saves them as. And there's some finicky stuff with it. So this week, Jason Snell linked to this new cast service, which is a web-based, it's recording and editing. Uh, we only use it, or I think we're only going to use it for the recording part. But it basically takes some of that work out and allows us to hear one another and then also like automatically save a local track and blah, blah, blah. But yeah, we'll <laughs> we'll see what the end result is.
this this episode may never air. That's quite possible. Yeah. So anyway, it, it looks fine. So we'll, we'll test it out. Anyway, so going back to Dropbox. Um, yeah, like it's it's weird because like their next big thing seems to be that like they want to do this. Um, is it called Paper? I, I don't know. There's like 18 different apps called Paper. I don't. I don't well, know. That, that was the whole thing when it came out. There was like it was it Facebook Paper. Is it uh, Paper from 53? Like I'm pretty sure they're making this weird. Um, or I don't know. It might be great. Who knows? Because uh, we haven't been able to test it yet. But it's like this Google Docs competitor. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Yeah. Capture and build on ideas together. Be one of the first people to try drop it. So, I mean, perhaps maybe that seems like the next logical extension of the product. But again, there's a lot of companies, and also Evernote falls into this, uh, where again, I know I was just uh, kind of complaining about how I could take it or lose it with Evernote. But it's because Evernote is a pretty decent, solid product that integrates well with certain things. But it tries to be like 40 other things. Like they have this new, or it's not new, but it's like a year old. And it's something that you, that's so hard to disable. It's called work chat. Like it tries to be this like weird, like Google Docs slash Slack competitor inside of it. And it just gums up the works for everything else. So I, just, I, I, I wish certain companies would, who were just good at what they do could just find a way to charge for that. And I understand that the whole thing is that uh, you, if you if you just sit there and, and are content to make money on what you already do well, that's the way that you get uh, leapfrogged and replaced by somebody else. But again, I don't see how acquiring and then shutting down uh, somebody who's actually doing something cool with email and making this weird photos app that's basically just a different way of viewing thumbnails of photos inside your Dropbox. Like I just I I don't see how those achieve that goal. And then alternatively, why not just make the best of something and ride it out for as long as you can? And then hopefully do try new things as it comes along. But again, like Dropbox has something that's pretty great. Like Dropbox is kind of critical to a lot of what I do. And I do not have any issues paying them $10 a month for that. Yeah, I, I never really was clear what the fit, particularly of Mailbox, was with what Dropbox was trying to do. Um how email fit into file syncing just yeah never really made sense to me like i i'm 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 all for like a an extension and an expansion of your core business but i mailbox in the context of dropbox i i, I didn't really get that so yeah we'll 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 see what's next but um yeah and and it just like a lot of people try to replicate what dropbox does and i think it was like steve jobs famously said that uh, dropbox is a feature not a company but I, I strongly disagree. I think it's a company that does a particular feature insanely well mm-hmm. that makes it totally worth the money. Right. And that's why it integrates into almost everything and is something that I trust. So, I, I, yeah. Yeah. All right. And then we'll just wrap this up on a, on a couple of positive notes. Um, actually, well, we'll finish with this. Uh, football is almost over. Mm. well wouldn't you want that to be the case aren't the 49ers doing awful this year <laughs> yeah they are yeah i'm just i'm uh, football always sneaks up on you and it just consumes everything as somebody who uh does not like football uh it just seems like it's gonna be forever but apparently we're like in week 14 or something yeah one well, and this the, the one thing maybe i we can't agree on is that this last weekend was the last full weekend of college football thank god 
Um, well, no, because isn't around uh, New Year's Day and stuff? Isn't that when it's just all college? Well, yeah, so we still the got the, the bowl games and the playoff and stuff, but like the the their equivalent of like the regular season now is over. Yeah, there's that weird like one and a half month period where it's just every weekend, just random football of, of schools the, you've never heard the, of. The, the Chick-fil-A bowl and all that. Well, now I'm interested in that. So, so which teams are playing? <laughs> I, I don't know. That, that That is a real bowl game, or it, uh, it has that, been the last couple of years. That sounds fantastic. <laughs> um. that, well, that, that's not that's not um, consistent with your, your healthier uh, eating habits. No, it's fine. I, I can I can lust after uh, that, but I can't. Uh, I can't eat it. Okay. Again, uh, again, I'm holding myself accountable. I should. Uh, how, how are you doing with that? Do you do you have any issues staying healthy? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> well, how how are you doing right now? Not 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 especially well. Okay. How many uh, days a week would you say you get adequate physical exercise? Uh, it depends on the week. Okay. How many days a month? And then divide that by four. Point three. Um, it, it's not. It's not good. It's it's at best a couple times a week. Okay. Yeah, it's tricky. Yeah. My, I think I've, I think I'm eating better now than I than I did, you know, historically. Can you give me an example? Um, f- like far, what, what have you cut out or what have you incorporated? Soda entirely. Um, good. And really, it's just like sweets, like like desserts and things. It's it's you know maybe once a week now I'll have like a dessert kind of thing. So how do you control snacking or or just buying unhealthy stuff and eating it in the middle of the day when you just don't really have a better option? I'm I'm lucky where the where I work we we are given snacks and there are quite a few healthy choices. So and many of them are pretty good, such as. Uh, well, I mean, you know, like. Uh, pita chips and hummus is a go-to. Um, okay. There's a bunch of like granola type like bars that are like low in sugar that are decent. Um, so you're you're definitely on board with the because uh, you you recently watched the Fed Up documentary, didn't you? I did. Yeah. Are you? Because I I I saw that like a year ago, and then I've I I saw like Food Inc. and a whole bunch of these other movies, and normally you get like the initial shock reaction and you adjust your habits. So has the no sugar thing or the being very cautious with sugar stuck, and do you think it will continue to stick? Yeah, it it has surprisingly stuck with me, um, and I think just my my um, preferences have changed. You know, whereas like, and I guess this happens to everybody. Whereas g- growing up, you know, things like candy bars and that that type of thing just were were good, and now I just don't really ha- I don't really have the desire to have a lot of that stuff. Good, and then uh, to round it out. Uh, do you, uh, what are your thoughts on, uh, like, uh, alcoholic beverages in terms of like, uh, cause I know you're a, you're a beer guy and isn't beer generally rather unhealthy? No, I'm, I'm actually a hard alcohol and wine guy. I'm, I'm not a beer guy. Hmm. I could have sworn you were all, you were all about that, like anchor steam beer and, and everything. You oh, were the, always, the, uh, the, the holiday ale, the Christmas ale. It's, it's Christmas time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I haven't, I haven't had it yet this year. Okay. But also, yeah, no, uh, like wine definitely does, because uh, they don't have nutrition facts on it, of course, but isn't it fairly uh, sugar? <laughs> oh, very much. Heavy? Very much, yeah. That's the, that's the problem. Well, yeah. I mean, that's, do, that's why I've been, anyway. Yeah, I mean, it, it turns out that drinking alcoholic beverages is not good for you. I mean, I don't, I don't want to have any. Well, you, you think it's not good for you in other ways, but well, <laughs> in terms of. It's just not good for you in general. Of course. Very high in sugar. Same, same goes with um, many 
um, hard alcohols too, or, you know, spirits, as you say. Sure. Um, very high in sugar. What's, and again, I'm going to, I'm going to keep saying, I'm going to round this out, but I'm going to keep answering, we're, asking we're, more we're, questions. We're keep, we're keep rounding. Yeah. Um, what's, uh, you know, like, uh, smoothies and like those, uh, like what's what's your thinking on uh, ju- uh, juices and smoothies? I, I I try to stay away from most of that stuff, even if it's naturally occurring sugar. Yeah, I don't I don't actually I just I don't feel good most of the time after having like a big smoothie. What about like just a glass of orange juice? Yeah, I've, I've kind of cut all that out too. But orange juice is the best. It is. It's really good. Yeah, but I. It's like thirty grams of sugar for an eight ounce glass. They they spent a lot of time talking about fruit juices in that documentary. <laughs> In fact, I, I'm actually, I, I actually might, I might be able to say that in the like eight months since I've seen that, I don't know if I've had a single glass of orange juice. Man. I know. Damn Katie Kirk. I know. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I haven't. I've definitely had things like Jamba Juice and things. And every once in a while, that stuff is fine. You get like the, you know, the non-dairy kind of like all juice ones. But... Definitely not like an everyday thing or anything. Sure. And on that note, let's wrap this up. Okay.